Well, a federal task force says Canada's transportation supply chain is approaching its, quote, breaking point and desperately needs an overhaul as global issues continue to limit the supply of goods in this country. And that's all according to a new report released yesterday. In January, the transportation minister announced plans for that task force after both the pandemic and weather disasters led to some widespread shipping disruptions. The report recommends that Ottawa create a central supply chain office to oversee any changes and prevent bureaucratic delays. There are a lot of those. Co-chair Jean Gattuso says some of the 21 recommendations include addressing labor shortages in the transportation sector. As a country that's doing trade, and 50% of our trade depend also on on, trans, uh, on on trucking transport, we are also missing about the equivalent of 25,500 drivers right now. It's a lot of drivers. Uh, the eight task force members consulted with industry associations and others affected by transportation issues. They came from a whole wide range of backgrounds, including trucking, rail, airports, manufacturing, government, and supply chain consulting. And one of them joins me now. Louise Yako is a former president and CEO of the BC Trucking Association, and she was co-chair of the National Supply Chain Task Force. Thank you for your time tonight. Welcome to the show. Ben, thanks for having me. So the words used uh, were pretty stark. Breaking point, I guess, was the big one that caught my eye. Uh, How has Canada's supply chain reached a breaking point? How have we gotten here? I think there are several reasons for that, Ben. Uh, We have some structural weaknesses in our supply, transportation supply chain. And I should be very clear that that's that's what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they've been exacerbated uh, by some... uh, events, particularly in the last two years, that have really just caused the whole network to, that that have caused the whole network to just kind of slow down and at some points um, really not operate the way we would want it to. Yeah, what is behind that? I mean, understandably, the pandemic had a huge role in this, but how much of this was there beforehand? And like so many things, the pandemic simply accelerated an existing problem. Yes. Um, There are so many facets to answering that question, Ben. Um, Part of it is uh, underinvestment in physical infrastructure. You know, part of it is we don't have enough people. There is a labor shortage. Um, Part of it is uh, the world really wants Canadian exports. And so um, part of it is that we have cyclical demand. What the pandemic did was it increased uh, demand for e-commerce in particular. People wanted things to be delivered on time um, and delivered quickly to their door. And with all of the um, bumps and starts that we've had with the transportation supply chain, the retailers now, for example, are deciding that they need a little bit more insurance. So they're bringing in extra inventory. They need to find places to store that inventory. And that's causing also another like another blip in, in demand for transportation supply chain services. So how are we seeing this manifest itself? I know, of course, you had a lot of experience uh, with this as president and CEO of the BC Trucking Association. How is this in concrete terms manifesting itself on the ground? What are we what would be a good example of how this is how these uh, these problems manifest themselves uh, every day, really, in this country now? 
Um, well, I can tell you about some problems that are st that are still relevant today, and that is we have a lot of import containers that are stuck on the West Coast. Uh, they're gumming up the system. They're not leaving the port terminals on the West Coast primarily because there's nowhere to take them. So Toronto, for example, the warehouses are completely full. We used to have a lot more uh, distribution centers where you could take um, where you could take all the import containers. Uh, take the stuff out of the import containers, transload them into trucks, and then move them along. But we don't have enough, for example, uh, truck drivers in, in Toronto. We don't have we don't have enough um, warehouse space in Toronto. So that is gumming up the entire system. So a, a problem in one area manifests itself sometimes across the country. Yeah, it feels like there's always a domino effect here, right? I mean, it's also interconnected. Uh, for listeners to understand, how interconnected is it? Because I would imagine if you live in Vancouver uh, or out west, you might find it surprising that problems in Toronto would ripple right across the country like that. One of the things that we have discovered is there are so many different players, right? Um, there are so many different businesses. Uh, and then there are also government agencies that have an effect on the transportation supply chain. Every little bit Every business is trying to be as efficient as possible. They're worried about their own operations. They're managing as best they can. But what they don't necessarily see or think about is how what they do affects uh, another part of the supply chain. In part, um, it's because what they're doing is not visible to one another. And that's actually one of the recommendations that we are making, that we increase visibility across the transportation supply chain. I guess right now everyone's operating really on their own and don't really know what everyone, I mean, I think within industry, people understand what's happening uh, more broadly, but you get the sense that uh, that there isn't a cohesive plan here. And, and right now, because of the strains, we would need one. What we need to be doing is um, identifying where there are ch choke points, right, before they actually happen so we can address them. And if we had that visibility, we'd be able to do that. At the same time, um, if there is a choke point that is constantly being a choke point, then we know that we need to fix that problem. And whether that means adding capacity there, you know, maybe we need um, extra road widths or whatever, right? Then we can, we can plan for investments in the future. So that's actually another recommendation that we've made, that we should have a long-term uh, transportation supply chain strategy that identifies where, the, where we are going to need to make investments into the future. What has been the impact, did you find? Uh, because I think Canadians often spoke of supply. We Actually, I don't really remember talking about supply chain issues all that often at all up until recently, up until the system started to, to strain noticeably on the shelves of stores and so on. Uh, was it working well before then and we just didn't notice? Or do you think there's more, more realization of it now because we've actually seen a real impact? Well, it, it is, uh, I, I think you've hit on a really important point, Ben. It has been under strain for um, a number of years, but really, unless you were, you were involved in it, you didn't really know. And it's, um, and it's the fact that for the last couple of years, there's been so much stress on the transportation supply chain that it has become visible to, I'm going to say, regular Canadians who aren't in the business. And, um, and now it's, I, I think you could ask, uh, anyone on the street, you know, are you affected by the transportation supply chain? And they would say yes. They would. 
They would. And in fact, I think most people could point to a ex- recent example of something that impacted them, something they couldn't find, something that's no longer available. I think we've all become pretty aware of uh, of, of what the transportation supply chain means and what and its importance. When you look at the politics of this, and this is this came up a lot, obviously, in, in the winter. But how much did the did the vaccine mandates and the and how much did that come into play uh, in some of the strains we saw recently? That's a really good question. We didn't specifically examine that particular question. What we were asking was a more general question of the various industry and supply chain business participants, right? Mm-hmm. We were asking them, you know, what are your common problems? And and they came up with, you know, six or seven very common themes. And it was, um, there's sometimes not enough capacity, mm-hmm. uh, definitely labor shortage. I mentioned that. Um, the fact that services weren't always reliable and resilient so when we have natural disasters for example there's no there's no bypass there's no extra route that that um that is often available um visibility i've mentioned before um we've we've found a thickening of borders uh particularly with the u.s but Mm -hmm. sometimes actually uh, between provinces um lack of regulatory certainty so uh, if a project is supposed to be going forward, sometimes it go um, it doesn't go forward as quickly as everyone would expect. Uh, and then there's that planning and governance, that overall perspective on is the transportation supply chain working the way it should. There's no there's no guru, you know, watching over it. Louise Yako is with us this half hour. She's the former president and CEO of the BC Trucking Association, also co-chair of the National Supply Chain Task Force. Uh, They released their report yesterday. This was a report that was commissioned, uh, or the the task force itself was was announced back in January. You might remember back then there were some real issues with the transportation supply chain, and the government, uh, federal government decided to uh, strike a task force to look into it. And they've come up with 21 recommendations on how to make things better. Uh, Louise, you mentioned some of these already, including sort of a a much better oversight, longer-term planning on behalf of the government. Uh, or in general, I know the federal government's about to release a strategy, and that was something that we that we desperately needed as well. Twenty one is actually, uh, I think, a little misleading because it's it's actually it's really eighteen. And the reason okay. I say it's really eighteen is because we have um, some short term actions that we're recommending to unstick the system right now. Um, and yeah, we can start with those if you want, because I, I imagine people are really interested in the short term stuff right now. Right. So. Uh, the number one thing would be um, easing port container congestion, right? I've already mentioned the fact that that um, the ports, and I talked about the West Coast, but it's not um, it's not a problem that's limited to the West Coast. Um, Montreal and Halifax are also having similar problems. So easing port container congestion would be the number one thing. Um, we're talking about some uh, quick things that could be done to address the labor shortage. So we've uh, recommended an increase if it's if it's at all possible to accommodate in temporary foreign workers, for example, and to start looking at ways to um, incent uh, in increase the number of domestic uh, work workers uh, into the transportation supply chain. We recommended twinning a six-kilometer stretch of highway uh, between Quebec and New Brunswick. Um, it's been it's been on the books now for several years. And the funding's there. Everybody agrees it needs to be done, and it hasn't been done yet. So why don't we just do it? Making sure that the approval system for using winter roads, for example, 
is faster than it is today. Um, there are a number of different levels of government that need to give permission. And we're saying, you know, it's a very short season. And particularly with climate change and the warming of the seasons, the, the season for ice roads now is very short. And we need to get the trucks in and out as quickly as possible. So those are the kinds of things that we think can and should happen right away. Given the uh, the breadth of experience and knowledge that, that was on the task force, including yours, um, how did you settle on the, I mean, I, when you look at the container one, that's a tough one because we know that's happening everywhere. I mean, there's a container clogging going on uh, at Long Beach in California. This has sort of become a global problem, this container issue, right? Well, I, I'd love to take credit for all of the recommendations, <laughs> but we were very fortunate in having um, an engaged uh, group of stakeholders. Um, we had over 225 consultations with various uh, industry groups, with uh, business leaders, with um, transportation supply chain experts. Uh, so they they came up with a whole bunch of ideas, and we just kind of whittled them down to the ones that we thought were were manageable and also impactful. What about some of the longer term ones? You mentioned them earlier, a national supply chain strategy. We're expecting to see one soon from the government, but you, you'd like to see... Um, an office, something bigger, something that is sort of an, an oversight or without it being regulatory, but having something, someone to watch over the system to see from, you know, 5K up, five miles high to see where exactly things could go wrong. We are calling it a generic supply chain office. Um, and we think that it can play a coordinating role across the federal uh federal government departments in particular, because there are a lot of different uh, federal departments that either directly affect or um, or or can indirectly affect the operation of the transportation supply chain. So we want to make sure that when they're thinking about new legislation or new regulations or even just policy, that they that they look at it through a supply chain lens. So that that's what the supply chain office would be doing. It would also be measuring um, the effectiveness of the the transportation supply chain is establishing some key performance indicators. And if it's not working, you know, then being able to say, look, you guys over there, you should really think about doing this and and bringing the parties together so that they can um, collaborate and figure out what to do. Because obviously this is costing the economy, right? When things slow down, when things aren't making it to where they're supposed to be on time, we all pay to some yes. extent. One of the things that maybe... Canadians don't know about is how dependent Canada is on trade. I mean, trade makes up north of 50% of our GDP. It, um, since 1992, I'm, and I'm just going to reel off a few facts here sure. because it's really important. Um, since 1992, it's been uh, over 60%. We peaked at 80% of our GDP in 2020. Even during the um, the last two years, when things were when things were slowed down quite a bit, sixty one percent of our GDP was still um, was still due to international trade, and that equals one point two four trillion dollars a year. So, if our transportation supply chain is not working, then we can say goodbye to quite a lot of that money. And if we don't improve it, our share, our market share of that trade, is going to reduce. And that's that's imports and exports, I would suspect, or is that just exports? Yes. Nope. It's yeah. a combination. Is it time to ease 
part of the strain on our system. Is it time to also rethink supply chains, period? I mean, we rely a lot on just-in-time um, stuff. We rely a lot on manufacturing abroad, and that brings means a lot of it has to be shipped into us. Would it help at all to start to rethink how that works to complement that offshoring with some onshoring? Ben, I think that's happening already. Um, I mean, one of the very first reactions that we saw and we are seeing today is um, increased inventories. Retailers in particular are bringing things in um, earlier and they're bringing more things in because they're not sure that it's going to it's going to get here on time. Well, Luis Yacco, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.